Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because after all, we are always evolving and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. Welcome back. Hopefully, you've already had a chance to listen to my last episode, which was the first part in this series on cults. And in that episode, I shared my own personal story, an experience that I had and witnessed almost 20 years ago, and that had such a profound and lasting impact on me that it has helped to shape the very work that I do with people. Since publishing that podcast, I have heard from so many people sharing stories about experiences that they've had. I've even had some people nail on the head exactly which organization I was referring to. And I've had people talk about stories of loved ones, horrible experiences that their loved ones had with a cult or a cult-like group. And what this has really further driven home for me, I already knew this, but this has just reinforced my commitment to putting this information out there and for sharing what it is that I know, is because it's it's there, it's out there, it's happening. Cults and cult-like groups are more pervasive than people realize. And nobody ever thinks they would be susceptible to one. But there's a very insidious nature to cults. And that's why it's wise to, it's wise to understand and know what it is that they look like, how, how to know the signs, how to recognize it if you ever happen to come across it. So what is a cult? Let's start with that. Let's define a cult. The word cult is short for cultivate. It means to cultivate, to cultivate a relationship, to cultivate a group, to cultivate a following or an idea. And there's cults and there are cultish behaviors. We're going to talk about all of that. But one definition of a cult that really seems to hit the nail on the head for me is a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or ideology. Now, I want to say before I go any further that because I've been studying and researching this phenomenon for almost 20 years, I've pulled from a lot of different sources. And in the show notes, I will include some of those sources so that if you want to study this further or take a deeper dive into it, you're welcome to do so. But this is a definition that really seems to encapsulate what a cult is for me. And a cult, it doesn't necessarily refer to a religious movement, although often there is a religious undertone to it. Often there's a use or misuse 
of Christianity or other religious teachings present in the cult indoctrination. But a cult is actually more of a social movement. And there have been a few in history that probably come to mind as soon as you hear the word cult. You've probably heard about Heaven's Gate, which back in the spring of 1997 was when 39 members of the group committed mass suicide in order to reach what they believed was an alien spacecraft following the comet Haleybop. I think that's how it's pronounced. And the only reason I know that is because I remember this story being in the news. And then there's the Charles Manson family, which was a cult led by a charismatic criminal and musician who led a group of his followers to commit the murders of Sharon Tate and another couple. And that's another one. The minute I hear the word cult, Charles Manson comes to mind. And then there's Hitler. And I would definitely qualify Hitler and his followers as a cult. And at the end of this podcast, I'll be curious to know if there are any other cults or cult-like followings out there that come to mind for you when you hear what it is that I'm about to share. So what is a cult? Former Harvard Medical School professor, psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton, wrote and taught about cult formation, and his findings almost perfectly line up with how I've seen it explained elsewhere. So there's consistency in the research that there are three primary characteristics which are the most common features shared by destructive cults. Number one is a dynamic, charismatic leader. This leader increasingly becomes an object of worship as the original ideas and principles that were originally sustaining the group start to lose their power. So it starts off with an idea that attracts people. And then as that idea starts to wear a little bit thin, that power is transferred to this dynamic group leader. This is a living leader with no meaningful accountability. This leader becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of authority and power. So if you think about the story that I shared with you in my last podcast, there was definitely a very strong charismatic leader. He was a criminal defense attorney in his previous work life, and he brought all of that to the table with him. But he was also very funny. He had a very entertaining and engaging way about him. So it was very easy for him to attract your attention and hold on to it. So to just to apply it to my own personal example, that was there was definitely a dynamic charismatic leader involved. Here are the warning signs of a potentially unsafe group leader. There's absolute authoritarianism without any meaningful accountability. There is 
no tolerance for questions or critical inquiry. There's no transparent financial disclosure. There's an overactive and unreasonable fear of the outside world. They portray a sense of impending doom due to catastrophe, evil conspiracies, and persecutions. There is never any legitimate reason to leave. And any former followers who leave the group are always considered wrong, negative, or evil for leaving. There is humiliation of anyone that questions or steps outside of the acceptable behavior within the group. Former members will often relate similar stories of abusive behavior and patterns of grievances. There tend to be plenty of examples, news articles, books, reports, and documents exposing the abuses of the group leader. The group leader is always right, and the group leader is the exclusive means of knowing the truth. No other process of discovery is considered credible or acceptable. These are all warning signs of a potentially unsafe, dangerous group leader. So this is number one, a dynamic, charismatic leader. Remember, this leader becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of authority and power. So that's number one. Number two, indoctrination. There's a process of indoctrination or brainwashing. So there's a re-education through thought reform. So they're getting people to think differently. They're indoctrinating them into a new thought system. They do this through control of information. So cult leaders deliberately withhold information. They distort the truth and lie. They propagandize. And they limit access to outside sources of information. So part of the indoctrination is the control of information and withholding information, distorting the truth, and limiting access to outside sources of information. Then there's fear, anxiety, and paranoia. They use it against you. They use it against individuals in the group to control them, to indoctrinate them. There's usually the presence of conspiracy theories, right? So playing to the fear and the anxiety and the paranoia. And this is a really big one right here. There's a strong us versus them mentality with a strong alienation from them. They are evil. And so this is when it starts to create isolation and separation, separation from friends and family members, isolation from anybody outside of the group who thinks like you. These indoctrination techniques also often include elements of hypnosis. So there's a lot that I want to say about this here. So I'm going to talk about hypnosis and the mind in my next episode. And you'll start to see some of the parallels between them and how 
if it's not used for good, how it can be used against you. So oftentimes they will use hypnotic techniques to indoctrinate its members. Blair Warren teaches in his one-sentence persuasion course that, quote, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. People will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, in other words, it's not your fault, allay their fears, I got you, I can take care of you, I can get us out of this mess, kind of thing, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. And so this is where that strong us versus them comes into play. This is where the fear and the paranoia and the conspiracy theories come into play. This is where the control of information, the belief that that cult leader is the only person who has access to the truth and everybody else is lying. Anybody outside of that group, anyone outside of that thought system just doesn't get it, just doesn't see it. So that's number two, indoctrination. And then number three, there is economic, sexual, or other exploitation of group members by the leader and his or her inner circle. Most of the time, cults are led by men. I can't currently think of one that's led by a woman, but if you know of one, let me know. But that's number three, economic, sexual, and other exploitation of group members by the leader and his inner circle. Last week in my last podcast episode, I told you about a couple of friends of mine that got sucked into a cult and moved across country. And one of those women ended up investing tens, if not even over $100,000 into that cult before she got out. So there was definitely a financial exploitation there. She's told me stories of some of the other people that were, at the time that she left, still involved with the group. One woman, again, an educated, intelligent woman, she was responsible for performing oral sex on this group leader. So there's the sexual favors. You see it when people make choices that are ultimately in direct opposition to what's in their own best interests. And so that's the main point right there. When people inside this group make choices that are ultimately in direct opposition to what's in their own best interests. So those are the three things. Dynamic, charismatic leader, indoctrination techniques, control of information, right? Us versus them, isolation, separation. And number three, exploitation of group members. They're being exploited in some way. Why are cults attractive? If people weren't getting anything out of participating and getting involved with a cult, they wouldn't do it, right? 
there's a sense of identity and belonging that comes with being involved in a group, especially if it feels like it's kind of an exclusive group that not everybody gets access to and not everybody gets it or understands it, right? This sense of identity and belonging through this group can be very attractive. And fulfilling a special purpose. Again, oftentimes people involved in these situations feel like they have access to an underground truth that other people don't get or see. And they have this special purpose by being involved in this group. And there's a feeling of being protected. You've got the protection of the group. You've got the protection of that powerful group leader. And it can give you a sense of power because within this group, you feel powerful because you're no longer alone. It's not you against the world. It's you and this group, and you have access to information that everybody else doesn't have access to. And you're powerful because of the support of the group and that group leader. When are we most vulnerable? During periods of transition. So somebody who's going through a divorce or a breakup, or they've lost their job, or they've lost a loved one, or some major life transition. I told you about my friends that were indoctrinated into that cult, and both of them were going through very devastating breakups. They were heartbroken. They were kind of lost. They didn't know what was next, right? There was this big gaping hole and void for them that they had not yet figured out how to fill. That's the perfect opening for a cult leader to enter into. It could mean that an individual has a, a weak sense of self. So if somebody doesn't really know who they are and have a strong sense of self and a strong identity, then it might be attractive to get their identity from this group, to get a sense of self, a sense of purpose, a sense of power from the group. We could be susceptible when we are experiencing low self-esteem. Because sometimes it could feel really tempting to give our power over to somebody else who seems to have all the answers and the conviction to back them up. So basically, if we don't know ourselves, if we don't trust ourselves and our own minds, it's easy to give the reins over to somebody else who seems to have it all figured out. And has all of these other people that are on board. So what are some surefire ways? I mean, I've given you a lot of information here on the three things to look for in a cult. Dynamic, charismatic cult leader with zero accountability, right? Indoctrination techniques where they're limiting your access to information, they're controlling the information and not allowing you to think critically or really express any kind of disagreement whatsoever. And there's an element of exploitation. That's the third one. Some things to look for, because you may not, it may not be obvious at first glance, just like when I went to that weekend seminar that I told you about, it wasn't obvious at first glance. It wasn't until I was 
two thirds of the way through it, or really when it was completely over and I looked back on it, that I realized what it was. So how do you recognize a cult or a cult-like leader or group? Anytime you are discouraged from thinking for yourself, anytime you are discouraged from thinking for yourself, walk away. I learned that the hard way. Remember, I stood up there listening to everything that this man had to say. And when I said, that doesn't fit for me, his response was, I don't care what you think. Never give anybody the power to do your thinking for you. And anytime you are led to believe that you need them in order to get where you want to go, Maybe that's liberation. Maybe that's salvation. Maybe that's a heightened uh, level of spiritual growth. Anytime you are led to believe that you need them in order to get there, that should be a warning sign for you. I want to tell you another story. Most of you who know me know that I organize and lead yoga group travel around the world. And On one of the groups, I've taken two groups to Bali, and on one of the groups, there was a woman in the group who was very clear that just like Elizabeth Gilbert in Eat, Pray, Love had this experience with a shaman, she wanted to have an experience with a shaman. And somebody who owned one of the resorts that we stayed at told us, oh, then you have to meet this guy. He's he's my guy. He's amazing. And he healed me of this and this and this. And he listed off a litany of things that he helped heal him from. And everything he said sounded positive enough. And we were going to be passing by this guy's place on our way back to Ubud, which is where we were. We started the retreat in Ubud. And then we went on like a three-day getaway to the coast. And then we were going back into Ubud. And we had dinner plans. But this, this guy, his, you know teacher, leader, shaman, was on the way. And he said, I can make arrangements for him to meet for you just an hour. You just meet with him for an hour and you'll see what I mean. So we all talked about it. Everyone seemed interested. And I thought, okay, well, you know, if that's what they want to do, no problem. We'll, we'll stop for an hour on our way to dinner. And we arrive and as we walk in, immediately I'm starting to notice things, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical now, you know, I don't blindly follow anything. And so I saw the way the room was set up and, and I could, there's a certain level of intentional symmetry and there were banners and, and all of this. And I thought, okay, well, you know, just, just see what the guy has to say. So we all sat down in a circle on the floor and he started talking about these teachings and personal growth and spirituality. And again, just like I shared in my story on my last podcast, I, I couldn't take exception to anything that he was saying. Everything that he was saying was like, okay, yeah, no problem with that. No problem with that. No problem with that. And then he took us into a meditation and it, you know, again, I've got a background in hypnotherapy and I had no problem with that. I was staying alert and aware, but uh, no problem with it. And then after the meditation, we sat back up and already we've been there like an hour and a half and we were supposed to be there for an hour. And 
So and we're, I'm getting hungry. We have dinner reservations. I'm ready for it to start wrapping up. And I could tell he had no intention on wrapping up anytime soon. He started launching right back into his, um, his teachings. And then the thing that got my attention, the, the bell that went off, it was like, ding. And that was all I needed to hear. He was talking about his teacher and how there are these levels of spiritual growth. And when you get, you can, you can get through these first couple of levels, but then you get to a level where you cannot go any further. You cannot reach like that divine source of power unless you get through this final level. And there's only one person on the planet who has the ability to teach you that, who has the ability to open up that gate for you. And as soon as I heard that, I realized, nope, this is where it stops. Because I knew that there was going to be, he was laying the foundation to invite people in deeper. And it was going to be a financial investment. And in the end, it may not have done any harm to anybody, but they were going to be exploited in that they were going to believe that they needed this in order to reach like the ultimate pinnacle of spirituality in their lives, right? So I knew it was going to be disempowering and it was going to suck them into a financial investment that they really didn't need to make. So at one point, I opened my mouth and I said, okay, so we need to stop here because we have dinner plans and we thought we were going to be here for an hour. And it's already been an hour and a half, more longer than an hour and a half. We were starting to move toward two hours. And I said, you know, I just, I think we need to stick with our plan. Everybody in the group looked at me like, how dare you interrupt this? How dare you interrupt this process that we're in? Everybody in the group was mad at me for doing this. And I said, listen, if you really want to stay, I I didn't want to take away their power of choice. So I said, if you really want to stay, you can stay and just get a taxi back to town when you're ready. That's totally up to you. Or you can come with me and we can go to dinner like we had planned. And you can come back in the morning and finish this process with him. And one of the women in the group, a a friend of mine, said to me, yeah, but I feel like the spell has been broken in a kind of a accusatory way. Yeah, but I feel like the spell has been broken. In other words, you broke the spell. (laughs) And I said, I understand that. And I'm quite sure that if you come back, he will know exactly how to get you back there. So everybody agreed to leave with me and we went to dinner and I felt the same, like that tension in my body, like that kind of trembling in my body because I knew what I was witnessing there. I knew what I was in the presence of. Two of the women that were in that group have been friends with mine for a very long time. And I said to them, you, you ladies know what I'm talking about here. You've heard me talk about my experience. You've heard all about this. Anytime somebody tells you that the answers you seek are 
outside of yourself that you need them to get to wherever it is you're trying to go, that's the warning sign. That's the big, the bell and whistle that should be going off, the siren that should be telling you that this is not for you and you're not going to go any further. And as soon as I said that, they both looked at me and I could see it click in their eyes. And they were both like, wow, how I can't believe I didn't see it. I can't believe I didn't see that. And so again, these are people, they've heard my story. They, they've heard me talk about this thing. They've heard me warn them. These are the signs to look for. And yet still, it it comes in sideways. It's insidious. It's It's trickery, right? And so any time you are led to believe that you need them, someone, something, that you need that in order to get where you ultimately want to go, that should concern you. That should concern you. So the long and the short of it is, be an independent thinker. It's great to be open and able to entertain new thoughts and ideas because that's how we grow and evolve. But develop a healthy skepticism, a healthy skepticism. Take time to sit with and explore new ideas that you're being presented with. Take some time to digest and integrate that information and see if it fits for you. Never, ever give your power away by blindly following a teaching, a teacher, or a leader. Pay attention to the intention. It's all about intention. What is their intention? And always, always maintain the ability and the freedom to ask yourself, does this fit for me? Does this fit for me? And if you ever hear a response, if you ever get a response that even sounds remotely like, I don't care what you think, or you don't have access to this information because you are blocked by whatever, your programming, your conditioning. Anytime you are made to believe that you don't have this information and you cannot access this information without them, that's when you need to walk away. That's when you need to be concerned. Don't ever let anyone take that away from you, your ability to think for yourself. Don't ever let anyone take that away from you. As Socrates said, to find yourself, think for yourself. In the next episode, I'm going to break down some things that I learned in my hypnotherapy training about hypnosis and how our minds work, how our minds are influenced. And why is this relevant? Because I want you to know your own mind. I want you to know how your mind is influenced because knowledge is power. Know yourself. Be empowered. 
So as always, this podcast is brought to you by my book, Showing Up Naked. This is a book that was created as a workbook to help guide you to your truth. It's not about me. It's about you getting to know yourself. If you're interested in beginning a journey of self-discovery, go to showingupnaked.com and get a hold of my book. If this podcast spoke to you, let me know. Send me an email. You can always access me at erica at ericaboucher.com. And if you're not already on my email list, I want to encourage you to do so. I'm always sharing yoga videos, guided meditations. I've got yoga trips planned that you're going to want to know about. So stay in the know. Get yourself on my email list. I won't overwhelm your inbox. You will get at most one email a week from me. And I promise to make sure that each and every one of them is full of valuable and free content. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving.